0: It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. Marano. This is the AC Report.
1: Well, they blew up the
0: chicken man in Philly last night And they blew up his house, too Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight Gonna see what them racket boys can do Now there's trouble bussing in from out of state And the DA can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble on a promenade. And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fish your hair up. It's again, time for our weekly look at the most interesting 48 blocks in America and the AC Report on the Red Apple Audio Network and Talk 1400 WOND. Well, there's a lot of people over the years and presently who have laid claim to the title of Mr. Atlantic City. Even more folks who have been given that title by others. I've heard the title of Mr. Atlantic City Applied to people like Steve Wynn, Donald Trump, Merv Griffin over the years. Even more recently, people like uh, former Mayor Don Guardian, even my colleague, A.C. Mike Lopez. But. When it comes to who is Dr. Atlantic City, there is no debate among academics that that title goes to the recently retired president of Stockton University in Atlantic City, the one and only Dr. Harvey Kesselman. Kind enough to once again join me on the radio. Dr. Kesselman, it's great to talk with you again.
1: It's always great to talk to you, Frank, and thank you for that most generous introduction. Very, very uh, impressed with it, my friend.
0: So it's been, uh, I guess, a little bit more than a month since you've been officially retired as the president of Stockton University. For people that have not heard our previous conversations, you really went through, rose through the ranks. You went from being a student at Stockton uh, and all the way up to being a the president. What you have been doing over the last month and a half? Are you bored to
1: tears yet? Actually not. Number one, I've gotten a bit more sleep and a lot more, a a lot less stress in my life. You know, it was a great, great run. I was in the first class, as you mentioned. I've been there, you know, over half a century. Um, And I loved being the president. I was president eight years and had a number of roles, as you know, before that. But I've been kept very, very busy, but at my own pace. In other words, I'm working on a number of initiatives that I actually began when I was the president. Um, and in some of them, uh, they created President Emeritus positions so I could stay on them. Uh, and they were, you know, a couple of national organizations. But I've been focused on the JOBS program, which is the Judiciary Opportunities for Building Success. Uh, and this is a program that I, I you know, we we began um, with uh, Judge Mark Sanson, who's a retired Superior Court judge in Atlanta County, um, all the way up through Ju- Chief Justice Stuart Rabner And it's a program designed for the 130,000 folks who are on probation for nonviolent, usually drug-related offenses in New Jersey. And it requires that they complete a 12-week training program that not only trains them in a particular skill, like the trades – or, you know, culinary, uh, or hospitality, or IT, but also in the soft skills for a job, and they the kinds of things, how to get along with others, how to arrive on time, how to dress for work, how to interview, all those kinds of different things, and it, it and, and The the people who are in this program, and they have to go through a lot. I mean, they have to go through drug testing because most of them are drug-related offenses, nonviolent offenses, many times caused by prescription drugs. So it's not like they were, you know, they were dealing drugs. They were, they got involved. They could have had a bad surgery and things of that nature. But it's important once they get a job, they have a 90 percent or greater chance of succeeding. And you know, it's such a small investment when you think about it because if they don't succeed and wind up getting in trouble. And, and don't fulfill probation, you're spending $65,000 a year for in prison, rather than doing everything we can oh, to avoid that. It absolutely. Makes, it, it, you know, it's both a morally good thing as well as a, you know economic good thing. And, and then they become productive members of society who uh, pay taxes, raise their families, and the like. No, so I've been working on that program, which well, has been really exciting
0: for well, me. Well, that is terrific. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, outstanding. I had uh, Rev Parikh on this program uh, a week or two ago talking about what he's doing with which is uh, which is similar in terms of getting people that have been through the system an opportunity to learn a trade and to do something substantive and not wind up as a uh, recidivist. But uh, that's absolutely outstanding. So your proper title now is President Emeritus. That's how so it should be. Yeah,
1: President Emeritus. Yeah, they gave me that. That was a great honor that they bestowed upon me. I, I'm honored, and uh, I'm still a professor of education. You know, I'm still that. Uh, I'm uh, this year though, I'm working on all these other. I mean, it's just one thing. And by the way, one. Another thing on this, we were able to get 156 college students working in paid internships in the judiciary this past year working with these programs. So that is, that is really great for our own students.
0: No too. doubt about that. And for folks that don't know your, your history, there was a, a great profile on you in the the press of Atlantic City, which sort of chronicled your rise from, uh, as the uh, newspaper termed it, class clown <laughs> to university <laughs> president how did you go from being a, uh, a an outlandish con- kind of conservative looking class clown to being a, a university president what's the, i realize it's a
1: 40 year story but give me the reader's digest version well I, it's i always you know I always had this wandering mind, and I always wanted to, you know, be witty and, 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 and I didn't really like school. That was it. I was bored in school until I got to college. Once I went to college, um, it just like stroked all of my, you know, it, it got me so involved in learning. So I would I would read. I would begin to read voraciously. I didn't read when I was in school. I was just goofed off. I really did. And so I and I was sort of funny. I was chatty and funny, and you know, and, and but but I didn't take it seriously. But the moment I hit Stockton, and again, you know, I was it blew me away. I had the freedom to study what I wanted to study at the times I want to study. Just like you, I'm an early riser, okay? School doesn't start. I, I, by 7 o'clock in the morning, I, I've read every single newspaper. I've read everything about, inside, you know, about higher education. So in each role that I eventually had, and every time I felt like I, there, isn't, there is not a role that I had. And I, I was the provost and executive vice president, the chief financial officer, VP for student affairs. As director of institutional research, I was in so many different roles. Each one taught me so much and readied me for the next level. Um, And and you know I I loved them all. I I loved every single job I had, and and really wasn't looking to ascend, uh, but it just happened. I mean opportunities presented themselves. I seized them. I was mentored by presidents throughout the time. I guess they felt sorry for me, (laughs) and so they mentored me, and they taught me what to do. Also, more importantly, taught me what not to do. I observed the kinds of things you want to avoid. Uh, Vera Ferris, a longtime president, gave me the opportunity to um, uh, do statewide stuff. Uh, So when I was a vice president, she would put me on statewide committees. So I got to learn the state, the legislature, the executive branch, and and everything. So I I was afforded great mentorship, menteeship opportunities. Um, And, you know, I was fortunate enough to seize them.
0: Obviously, I know because you're still affiliated with Stockton, you can't say anything remotely critical of the current university president, Joe Bertolino. But I always wonder when you have a situation like, uh, say, the Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, kind of hanging around the Vatican while there's a new pope in town, or a the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, stepping aside and she's still a member of Congress while there's a new uh, leader of the Democrats in Congress. I always wonder when there's somebody that's been in a leadership role and they're still sticking around and they're not necessarily in that leadership role anymore, but they have to interact with the person that is there now. I'm wondering what that dynamic is like. Does uh, Joe Bertolino, the current university president, make sure his bow tie is a little straighter? Do you, do you ever have to bite your own tongue to say, oh, I wouldn't do it quite the way Joe is doing it? Describe for folks that kind of dynamic.
1: That is really a great question. I'm happy you bring it up. We actually have a, an excellent relationship. Look, he wasn't a rookie president. This is his third presidency. He's been successful twice elsewhere. Um, I, I knew of him. Uh, you know, I didn't really know him well, but I knew of him. He knew of me. Um, we've, we go out. Uh, I, I don't interfere at all. My office is in Atlantic City. Um, and, and again, I haven't been in there much this, this summer. I've been in there enough, but I haven't been there much. Um, his is in Galloway, which is exactly where the president of the university is in Galloway. So we don't, we are, we, we don't interact that way. But we, he talks to me. We write, write to each other. He asks for advice. I don't ever offer advice without him, you know, seeking it. And by the advice, I mean, I can provide what I do provide, and I think he understood that. And I I think all the finalists understood that. I I mean, I don't think there's anyone who could possibly know the history of Stockton any more than I do. And so I can give him a historical perspective on an issue that you simply can't get when you're walking in new at most universities uh, without being judgmental. I'm not going to judge him. He won the position fair and square. Uh, I stepped away on my own accord the right way. It was a Great search. Uh, he's a competent man, a nice man, a friendly man. Um, uh, he loves students, and that was, uh, you know, critical to me. So I, I see it as a great relationship, and and. It, it, colleges and universities work a little differently than, than corporations and other entities there is there's there's a, a greater likelihood that a former president will remain at the university either to teach to conduct research work on things like I'm working on it's much more common than most other fields
0: mm, uh, that is interesting if people are just tuning in we are talking with dr. Harvey Kesselman, the president emeritus of Stockton University in Atlantic City a man who now has has both a residence hall named for him and a street named for him uh, how soon till they have uh, just renamed the whole university for you no, uh, i'm sure that stockton there. has i know stockton has fallen out of favor because of some politically correct times that we're in now i mean it's isn't it about time
1: we just rename things for you you know that you know how hard i fought against that noise <laughs> when that came oh, yeah. up oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah let no i it, I'm honored. Oh, it's so privileged, you know, that the city would do that. And, of course, Stockton would name uh, it Kesselman Hall. And, and, you know, my office, I actually can look right out my window and see that. And I, I, it's, I almost have to pinch myself when I drive over, you know, Albany Avenue Bridge, and there I see it. And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, that, you know, it's weird. It really is weird, uh, but it's, it's such a great privilege and honor. Um, and, and I'm grateful to everyone at Stockton for having afforded me that, that recognition. Um, we named Verick Ferris Road. In Galloway, the road coming into the campus. um, Dick Bjork was our founding um, president. The the library was named after him. So I think this is appropriate. I I think, you know, what we've done, what we were able to do in Atlantic City, uh, with everybody naysaying it initially, not you, people like you were 100% behind it, but there was a lot of people saying, what are you doing that for? It's not going to be, it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful experience. uh, And I'm thrilled for the university. And I think it's helped give us much more name recognition, without a doubt, than we had before, uh, and it's added a whole new flavor to the entire university.
0: I know this might not necessarily be something that you're involved in, but something tells me you know a little bit about it. It was announced this week that Stockton is forming a group to examine growth in Atlantic City. Uh, To the best of your knowledge, what exactly is this group going to be looking at, and, and what do you see as the prospects of growth in Atlantic City?
1: Another great question, but let's go. Let me first state that it was actually I had met with the um, uh, the, the chief of staff of Governor Murphy about a week a week before um, uh, I, I stepped down, and one of the things I requested uh, was a million dollar appropriation so we can conduct the kind of feasibility studies, market studies, and the like uh, to see the new president could do that. Uh, he quickly has mobilized the team. I'm I'm very impressed with how quickly he's moved to mobilize the team um, to begin the study of whether we should expand to what was called Phase Three. And for those who are familiar with Atlantic City, uh, that's the beach block from Pacific, across the street from from the Knife and Fork, and across the street from Kesselman Hall. That's bordered by um, South Albany Avenue now, Harvey <laughs> Kesselman. Why I'm sorry to do that. And and the Hartford Avenue. Uh, it's a hundred thousand square foot block. We're using currently the university as a commuter parking lot. That could be repurposed. Uh, it's owned by AC Defco, um, which owned, you know, the land underneath, you know, uh, the, the phase one. Um project, with the exception of the Academic Center. We own that now uh, completely. Um, And and they need to do a feasibility study and a market study and all the kinds of studies that you need to to undertake in order to determine whether we should, whether the institution should move forward. Um, So this is going to take a, you know, they'll do it pretty quickly because they have enough, you know, funding to hire very first-rate consultants in all these different areas. But it's complex. We spent a year and a half doing studies before we launched in Atlantic City the first time. And it's you know you 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 have to do them you have to do these to get the kind of funding that you need to put forth a project if they move in that direction at this time and that's part of it is it feasible is it the right time do is there going to be enough funding all the kinds of questions that that come up and I will stay out of it because it's now it should have new you know new ideas and 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 folks with new uh, perceptions of what should what should be in in, in a phase three, should there be a phase three?
0: Uh, I'm particularly interested. And I think a lot of our listeners, whether listening on, uh, on WOND or around the country, they're particularly interested in what the long-term prospects economically are for Atlantic City, particularly with so many more regions legalizing casino gaming, including New York. Uh, my friend David Danzis, who you know has been mm-hmm. guest on the show many times, he, in his recent column for Play NJ, painted a pretty bleak picture of the Atlantic C- City casino market. What he said is that um, the casino market is not healthy and that the financials may look good on paper, but in actuality, there are plenty of red flags if you know what to look for. How do you see Atlantic City's economic future, whether it's related to gambling or uh, industries beyond gambling, how do you see it going going forward?
1: Oh, I appreciate this, This too. One of the things I'm also working on, and it ties right into what you're talking about, is is an economic development center, okay, in Atlantic City, where I'm working with um, the local legislators, Senator Paul Steen and the like, the heads of the casino, uh, Care, and other entities just on that, basically trying to figure out, you know, what's this going to look like? Now, here's my personal opinion. I'm an optimist, and you know that. I wouldn't have, you know, done phase one if I didn't believe that. Sure. I think we need to continue. I think what Bart did, Bart Blatstein did, with the uh, water park is a great idea it's needed I think we need to continue to diversify the economy we need we need a blue economy we need to get we need to do something up in that inlet area um, where, where we bring in the you know the, the, the historic um, the fishing industries that we used to have out there the restaurants that we had out there um, all the different kinds of uh, things that can be part of sort of like if you look at the inner harbor in Baltimore that kind of development needs to happen we need to build a middle class in Atlantic City. What it's missing is a middle class, and that is what needs to be built. We need to have the kinds of jobs in Mm -hmm. the city that brings in people who want to live there. Now, post-COVID, here's a Important factor. Post COVID, Atlanta County grew three percent post COVID because people who were living in cities like Philly and New York, who then started telecommuting to work, you know, wanted to live down here. It was you know, COVID wasn't as bad down here. So we we have to take advantage of what we've got, and that's great natural resources. Uh, we have people you know who love the city like you, okay, um, and we have you know meds and Eds now with the university there, with the Atlantic Care expanding. So we have different. Kinds of diver, you know, diverse economies playing at once. We can no longer ever rely only on the casinos for our economy. Not notwithstanding whether they'll continue, and they too have to repurpose. And I think you've seen many of them spend a lot of money to upgrade the kinds of things that you know the millennials like, and other you know other newer group groups generations will like for the future. So I think we're all we're not competing anymore. I think people realize we all have to work together to ensure that. Atlantic City, you know, survives through the next expansion of casinos around us.
0: Uh, Dr. Harvey Kesselman, last time we spoke on air, you, I pinned you down for what your favorite restaurant in Atlantic City was. You said Cafe 2825. If I were to pin you down similarly, now that you're retired, maybe you can answer this honestly. Uh, if I were to pin you down similar, similarly to your favorite bar in on the 48 blocks of Atlantic City, what would you pick?
1: You know what? That that's a really good one. I, I like the knife and forks bar for happy hour. Yeah. I, it's a hop in place. I really like it. It's close. Um, I don't really frequent bar. I mean, I've been to a... a Vagabond has a really nice bar. I mean, it's it, it's it's sort of like a wonder bar. The kind of mood that I'm in will determine what kind of bar I'll go Fair to. Fair enough. We, we, we
0: will leave it there. I, I'm, <laughs> ble- I'm not being politically yeah. correct. Uh, i am being uh, honest. Uh, I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> Dr. Harvey Kesselman, President Emeritus of Stockton University in Atlantic City. It's always a treat to talk with you. I'll uh, hopefully look forward to seeing you the next time uh, I'm in town.
1: Sounds great, Frank. Really great being here.
0: Thank you. Uh, If you want to weigh in on any portion of our conversation, you're certainly welcome to do so. You can also email me, frank.morano, at redappleaudionetworks.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of midnight. Midnight.